Genesis chapter 32. Are you ready? All right, we got four people that are ready, amen? Are you ready? Let's go. The Bible says in Genesis 32 and 22, and he arose, speaking of Jacob, that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, which if you understand about two chapters before this, uh, Jacob has himself in a strange situation. His 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and then sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left, and this is my favorite word of this whole chapter, he was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Aiden says that this is where he put the figure four on him in Genesis 32. For you that was not raised in a redneck home, you have no understanding of what I speak of. But for you that was raised in a redneck home like me, that means that Ric Flair is in this chapter somewhere, amen. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until, unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. God dealt with me recently on an individual who has a nickname and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, do not call him by his nickname again, but call him by his name. And I did that for, and I will do that for now on. There's something about a name. He said, for you have struggled with God and with men, that's powerful, and have prevailed. Two more verses. Then Jacob asked saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him there. Father, today, I'm really not concerned about impressing. I'm really not here to try to bring somebody to my side or make them think that I am somebody. My task and my assignment is clear. You've given me a word in season because you have a few people in the right position that through your sovereignty and your providence that you have them placed now that they might have a life-changing encounter with you. They don't understand why some people just walked out of their lives. And they don't understand why they had to go through what they just went through and they don't understand, God, why they feel like they're an outcast or that people are looking at them. But what they don't understand is that you have them in a place that they cannot run any longer. They cannot run, so they've got to listen. And if they will listen, they can be changed. Some of them, God, are so talented. They have great calls on their life, but they just want to wrestle for a while, and that's fine because they're about to wrestle with you and also wrestle with themselves. Let it happen in this house, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, you may be seated just for a few moments. I wanna preach just for a few moments this morning on a simple subject entitled, Break Me. Sometimes as a pastor in a Pentecostal church, if you're non-Pentecostal, you may not understand this, and our congregation is made up of every denomination in our region, 
But in a Pentecostal church, sometimes we, we don't only believe the word, but we walk out the word. We prophesy the word. Simply speaking, prophecy, don't let that scare you. That means we take John 3.16 and we'll walk through our house and we'll quote that in our children's bedroom. We'll quote things like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And while other churches, they believe it the same way, we'll take a bottle of anointing oil and we'll anoint our children's room. We'll pray over them. We'll pray over their socks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your child's drugs or alcohol while some churches that just talk about it we'll grab a bottle of anointing oil we'll anoint their cars, their tires their radio, we'll even anoint their friends when they come in their, your house they don't know we're anointing them Anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't get scared, homie. But we'll have a little bit of anointing on us and they'll walk in, we'll just high five. We'll fist bump them and then we'll go laugh. Like, yeah, God, they don't know what they just walked into. You understand what I'm saying? We, we just believe that the word must be carried out. It must be lived out. That it's not just a Sunday experience. This is not a drive-in. This is not a drive-through. This is not a movie theater where we just walk in and we're entertained. We pay our tithe, our offering, our tithe we buy a ticket and we go home but to us the word is living it's moving it's loud it's silent it's boisterous it lives in us it lives out of us we see it we feel it we see it we get a job and what do we do thank you God for the job they said I could have that job but God you said I was going to have that job our kid passes high school what do we do thank you Jesus they said he couldn't do it I know he took after his mama's side but God somehow 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 you just showed fit to cast that Sims out of him and put more Nolan in him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sims is my wife's name, so I'm in trouble now. That's all right. You understand what I'm saying? We will quote this word. We'll preach this word. We'll live this word. We'll sing this word. We start singing about the cross and we picture Jesus on the cross. We picture us kneeling at the cross and the next thing you know, we're standing all over the sanctuary. I love that about us. It's in our DNA as Pentecostal people. But what happens when our DNA is not matching up to what we see in the natural. What happens when the supernatural that has been spoken over our children and over our churches and over our ministers is not equaling to what we see in the natural? Let me break it down a little more for you. What happens when a covenant that is spoken over your child that you know, that you know, that you know that God has called them and God's anointed them and God has a purpose for them but you can't see it because you couldn't find them last night. You can't sense it because they're not walking in that calling. They're called to preach but you see them on social media using their mouth for filthiness of the flesh. They're called to sing but they're not singing for Jesus. They're singing all kinds of filthy rap songs and this song and that song. They're called to edify but they don't edify anybody. They lie. They cuss. They cheat. They steal. They're always stirring up drama. They're supposed to be a peacemaker, but there's no peace in their life. Now what we've done in the church, we have a dilemma. We can't match the two, so we have to make excuses. I, I believe the Holy Ghost wants me to tell you, quit making excuses for what you see. See my listen this morning. You may not understand it. You may not can match it up. We're more worried about explaining it to our sisters and our brothers in the natural and also the church world because we want to put on an image that is not there. Instead of dealing with the reality so we can walk in the fullness of God, we will kid ourselves thinking that we have fooled somebody when on the inside of the natural we have absolutely fooled nobody. 
We'll spend 10 minutes finding the right picture to put on Facebook. Now, no, they might see something. Well, he's not there. Oh, he's been drinking. I can't use that picture. They might see his hair messed up. So we'll, we'll, we'll spend 10 minutes finding the right thing to persuade the body that everything is okay instead of being honest with God and saying, God, the covenant that you promised me is not equal, equaling the character of my child. And I know you've called her. I know you called him. I know they got singing inside of them. I know they got preaching inside of them. But God, right now, I can't do anything with them. So God, what do I do when my child is supposed to be singing and edifying God, but I can't even find them, God? They've been here and there. They've been in juvenile systems. They've been cast out by this and that. God, what do we do, God, when the natural does not equal what you've spoken over my child? So we try to find out what to do, but what you don't realize is this. Your timing is not always God's timing. And just because what God has spoken over your child and your family, your church has not happened yet does not mean it's not going to happen. And so many times in the church, we have discredited young men and young women because they've got caught doing things that we once done ourselves. But the difference between them and us back in 1978 and 88 and 94 when I was in high school is that we did not have social media to see it all at one time. We had to take Polaroids and wave it like this for 30 minutes. Is anybody listening to what I'm talking about? And we forget sometimes where God's brought us from. Now we're anointed and we smell good and we got perfume on and we look good this morning, but you have forgot where you've come from and you forgot about the time that you turned your back on God. So while we're so busy discrediting these young people because right now they're up and down, why don't we just pump the brakes just for a second and go back about 20 years ago when we didn't have it all together. Now we got a new lesson and we drive the church. But can you remember 20 years ago when you had to pray about paying the light bill or giving tithe because you spent too much money last night? Oh, I know holy people can't talk about that because it might take us back too far. And what we've done is we have kicked people out of the church because we don't understand their plot and we don't understand them. And God has sent me here with a word that most of you will receive and some of you will not. But for those that will receive this word, I've come to let you know that some of the best ministers that are about to be birthed in our church are not even saved yet. I, you don't bother me. I, I care less. I, I, I know where I'm at. I know where I'm going, so it doesn't bother me. They're not even saved yet. They're your children and your grandchildren. They have been arrested. They have been kicked out. They've been caught drinking. They've been caught doing all kinds of things. And we can sit back on our high horse and talk about, if you know what, they'll just do this and they'll just do that. No, what they need is not just coming to church. We got people all over Oconee County that go to church and they leave the same way that they come. Church has become nothing but entertainment. We want to entertain them and pacify them and get them in church so we can tell our people at the family reunion, oh little Johnny's okay, he's coming to church, now Johnny's not okay, he's coming to church but on Saturday night he's still doing what he did a year ago, church has not changed him one bit, what we need is God encounters, where God shows up, my goodness 
and God turns their life around. Church bores me. I don't want to just come to church. I'm tired of going to church with church people who don't want to have church. Church is not showing off my new coat or my new tie. Church is not about my position. Church is not my style sinking. Church is not about my pew. Church is not about my wants or lies. Church is about your children and your grandchildren coming in contact with God and God totally changes their life. What do we do when the covenant that was spoken over our people do not equal the character that we see in the natural? Jacob was a trickster from the jump. Jacob was born a trickster. His name means trickster. Everything about his life is dysfunctional. His mama and daddy is dysfunctional. His brother and him are dysfunctional. Everything from his birth to the way his parents played favorites in the home to the way he stole his brother's birthright, the way that he caught his dying father, to the way he married his first wife. You want to talk about having drama in your life? When you work seven years for a woman, hello? And at the night of your marriage, you go to Gatlinburg? And when you get to Gatlinburg, the woman that they put in bed with you is not the woman you work for, but her sister? Oh, y'all don't have to shout there, that's okay. Somebody just thought, thank God I didn't marry my sister-in-law. Praise God, hallelujah. I'm, I'm just being real, I'm sorry. Are you listening? <laughs> Somebody's thinking, yeah, you shout with me now. I, I'm afraid it's God. He's preaching. Yeah, yes, he's preaching. Seven years. Thank God for electricity now because when the light comes on the next morning, you realize that that's not the woman I work for. Then you have to marry her sister, but you're tricked by her. your father-in-law. I'll give you my other daughter, but you got to work seven more years. Men, 14 years working for one woman. That's love right there. Amen. Hallelujah, 14 years. And then, let's just break, oh, we got nowhere to go today, let's just talk some more. So then after you marry both of them, the one that you really love can't bear children, and the one the Bible says that does not have a sparkle in her eye, but yet, well I'm gonna say that, there's enough going on that she starts bearing children, hello, and now the one that you love is jealous over her sister, cause her sister can bear children and she can't, so she comes up with a bright idea, why don't you take my handmaid, my best friend and why don't you take her on a date I'm trying to keep this clean I try my I, this hey this is the Bible this is not even Jerry Springer this is the word of God right here somebody just said I'm gonna start reading my Bible praise God hallelujah and not only does that happen but then the one that can have children says even though I can have children you know what I'm not going to let her outdo me I'm going to give him my handmaid too so the next thing you know he comes back from, from, from Sonic uh, that's a low country establishment he comes back from Applebee's he comes back from the steakhouse okay I'm going to get there in a moment and comes back home and then, then this, this other girl says you've got to take my handmaiden on, on a date so he takes her on a date and the next thing you know the handmaidens are having children and not only are they having children they're naming the kids to one up the sisters and yet God's got a covenant that was spoken two chapters before him that says your children shall be like the dust in the earth and you shall be my man I don't find that here. 
I'll find a man about to pull his hair out thinking if you'll just take these two women back, I'll work 14 more years for you. Are you listening? All of this dysfunction and all of this, and yet God had a word spoken over his life. There's people all in Oconee County that God has spoken over their life. And we don't see it and we don't understand it because they've been in every place. They've been in the jail, they've been arrested, they're alcoholics, they're drug addicts, they have meth in their body, they're young women that had children out of wedlock, they were married and divorced, their mom and dads were dysfunctional, they were touched wrong and done wrong, and the church has been exiling them because we didn't understand because we wanted to be holy and we wanted to walk in holiness, and I do. I believe in sanctification, I believe in holiness living, but there's no greater holiness lifestyle than pulling somebody out of the fire. There is no greater holiness doctrine than telling a teenager who doesn't have a home that we love you at North Wahala and you don't see your value and you don't see your worth and you don't know what's going on in your life. But I've got a word for you. God not only loves you, but God has designed you with a specific call and a specific task and nobody else can't do what you can do. And all this that you've been going through that you think is gonna kill you is nothing but God about to step into your situation and get into your journey and say, listen, what they cannot do, I can do and I will use you and you will pass the test and once you pass the test then you will have a testimony and you will stand before the court of the church and say this I could not I did this I did that but God showed up in my life and God turned my life around and if God can do it for me then God can do it for you my goodness I feel the Holy Ghost in this house and so when God, this happens, now Jacob is there and Jacob says, I can't have any more. And by the way, joy, it gets worse. Now this Esau that he stole the birthright for, I don't, I know Brad's supposed to preach now, but if I don't get finished, he'll just get a check and I'll preach because I'm gonna finish this word today. You hear me? Are you listening? Thank you, sister. And so what happens is here now, not only has he got all this dysfunction, but the brother that he schemed, listen to me, the brother that he schemed 20 years later is now coming for what he thinks is payback. He's bringing 400 men, 400 people to come get back what was stolen from him. And when Jacob hears about this, Jacob is panic mode. Jacob can't take it no more. He divides up his people and says this, and I haven't talked with you about how he schemed his father-in-law. That's another sermon for another time. But at this moment, he divides up his people into two groups, and he's thinking, God, I'll scheme against Esau again. If he kills one, at least I'll still have half of my family and half of my money. Once he does that, he gets to the fort of Jabok, crosses over with his two wives and their children, and then he goes a little further, and he sits down for the night. He's on the run. Once he sits down, all of a sudden, though, he sees somebody coming out the back door. This somebody is walking by the fort of Jabot. He's thinking in himself, this is Esau. Esau has got me this time. I thought I could outrun him, but what he realizes is this. It's not Esau that's coming. It is somebody sent by God himself. See, I've come to let somebody know you cannot outrun the feet of God. Yeah, you like the book of Philemon. When you get there, even in jail, God will put somebody there and he'll start speaking something in your life and you'll shake your head and go, I can't even escape God in jail. I can't escape him on the backside of the alley. How many ever been, you can't raise your hand right here, but how many ever been in a barroom and you know you shouldn't have been in the barroom because you were raised in church and somebody's drunk just enough that they start quoting scripture and you get convicted in a barroom? 
Now, I know you couldn't raise your hand. That's okay. That's all right. We can talk about it later. Why? Because you cannot outrun the call of God that is on your life. God is not afraid of your past. And God is not afraid of your mistakes. God died for you when he knew you were about to have that affair. God died for you when he knew one day you would have an abortion. And God is standing on the other side of that now telling you this. I loved you then. I love you now. And I still got a call for your life. Jabbok means that this is the place of passing over. Jacob, I've got a call, but your name is contradicting, oh my, your, your name is contradicting your call. Some of you are called to minister, but your reputation in the community is not equal to the call of God on your life. You're called to lead men, but you can't lead yourself. It's, I wish three, just three, give me three people that would go with me. Are you listening? You're called to do more, but your name is telling on you. You know you're called to do ministry, but your reputation is telling on you. So what happens? God gets you to a place where you can't run anymore. And the place of j Pastor Smith means the place of crossing over. To get to the call of God of your life, you can't take all of you. Some of you has got to die. Yes, sir. I know it was your dad's fault. I understand you're mad at God because you were raised in an unholy environment. But can you stop blaming God long enough to let me speak into your life? See, what you don't realize, God was setting you up for a J-Bock moment that you could cross over from dysfunction and confusion into anointing and blessing. But you can't do it by putting your name on a Church of God, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist role. You can't do it by buying my lunch today. You can't do it by singing in the choir. You can't even do it by being a Church of God credential minister. You can only do it when you wrestle with God and wrestle with yourself. The Bible says that Jacob now is left alone. First point, for God to do what he wants to do in your life, you can't bring your running buddies with you. Hear what I'm about to say. I'm going to say something for the next 17 minutes, 16 minutes. I want you to buckle up. Some of you have been through some things lately, and it's nothing but God getting people out of your life. One of the biggest mistakes of my early ministry, when I was in sin, I wanted everybody in sin with me. Hear me out. That means if I was buying, I was buying for everybody. If I got paid on Friday, I was broke by Saturday. I wasn't being mean. I wanted to enjoy it with you. Whatever I was buying, you didn't have to have anything. I wanted you to go with me. I'm a people person. I don't like to be alone. I don't like it. I don't like to be alone. I, I, I'm a touchy person. I like to hold Jessica's hand. I like to touch her feet. I, I, I'm just a touchy person. She's beautiful to me. I love her. Don't get all uncomfortable. I'm stopping there. All right. All right listen. But I love her. I don't like to be alone. I want her with me. I want her to go to the hospital with me. I want to smell her. I'd much rather smell Jessica than Russell at any time in my ministry. You understand what I'm saying? Anytime. I'd rather her go with me. I don't like being alone. So when I got saved, I didn't want to be alone in salvation either. And understand this. While my young people wouldn't ride with me, I was hanging out with the older people in the church, the Buddy Coles of the Sheral Church of God. And by the way, if 
you want to really have fun, hang out with the older crowd. Some of the best fun you will ever have is with older saints in the church. They're just funny people. But Anthony, I did not want to be alone. But when God began to work in me about ministry, God had to take things out of my life. And I didn't like it. And I still didn't understand it at the time until now. And I tell Aiden all the time, I'm working with him now, son, not everybody's going with you. Some people are meant for a season. And if you confuse the seasonal people with the people that ride with you for life, you're going to mess your life up. Some people will come for a season. They will bless you. You love them. And then you send them out. Some of the little girls, they will get your eye. And they're only meant to be there for a season. Don't lock them in place. Don't manipulate them. Don't trap them. They're only meant to be there for a season. I don't know who I come to preach to, but God is trying to move some things out of your life. You cannot take everybody with you to the place in the spirit that God wants you to go. They won't pray like you. They won't fast like you. They won't understand how much it costs to get where God is trying to take you. And if you don't let them go, they will sabotage your future because they're trying to keep you in neutral. God did not call you to be in neutral. God has called you to be in fourth gear running for the kingdom of God. Some people I can't take with me. I've got to be alone if God's ever going to use me. Quit despising the day of being alone. Every great man and woman of God that God used in the Bible was alone. Every great man and woman of God, Elijah, go and put into that tree. Elisha, run with me. Simon Peter, I know you don't like me right now. And I know you cussed me, but just hold on. Go be alone by the fire, and I'll show up in a few minutes. Saul, I'm going to change your name to Paul. Then I've got to push you out. You can't be on the radar at first, Paul, because they won't receive you yet. I've got to pour some things into you. Every great person that God has used, he takes them to a backside of of a desert to empty them and pour himself out into them. I don't know who I come to preach to, but don't despise this moment in your life. Be a man, be a woman and say, I want them to go with me. I've got to let some friends go. I've got to let some girlfriends go. I've got to let some boys go and draw a line in the sand and say, I can't never go back again. I've got to go forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Secondly, quickly, secondly, not only do you have to be alone, but there comes has to be a change when he wrestles with this figure, when he wrestles with this man, he's actually fighting against the one that can bless him. Listen to me. If you're not only have to be alone, but you've got to wrestle with two people, yourself and with God. Hello? But you'll never fully wrestle with God if it does not lead you to wrestle with yourself. Don't tell me you have a God encounter and you didn't change. Let me say it again. Don't tell me you had a God encounter and you didn't change. Hello? If I, if I wrote a check to Joy today for a million dollars, we have this encounter, and I pulled out my checkbook. I don't have a million dollars. But if I pulled out my checkbook and wrote him a check for a million dollars, the encounter that him and I just had has changed his life forever. He may go back to work tomorrow, but I've got a good feeling he's probably going to take tomorrow off. Million dollars in the bank, I might would take tomorrow off. I might go to Dollywood or something like that. But anyway, so, so I believe it's changed his life. That encounter changed his life. When you wrestle with God, it will change you. Don't tell me you got saved and there's nothing changed about your life. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm not saying it changed overnight. But I'm telling you this. If you have a God encounter, it will change you. Listen to me, church. But the problem is this, that sometimes God encounters don't come when we want them, don't come how we want them, and they stay longer than we want to fight for. He wrestled with this man all night. 
all night. Some of us want 20 minutes on Sunday of God working with us. We watch HBO two hours a night all week long and we give God 20 minutes on Sunday. Come on now, let's just, let's just let's, let's talk, we're home folks. And so when we do this, we expect the preacher to quickly, quickly, I'm, I'm on, some of you losing me now because I'm almost 12 o'clock, I'm losing some of you because we want it how we want it, we want it microwave. But see, when you get yourself into a predicament that your buddies can't get you out and only God can get you out, you won't mind wrestling God just a little bit longer. Jacob knows I've got a call, but I don't see my call because the character of Jacob does not equal up to the covenant that Jacob has, so God wrestles with him and Jacob wrestles with God and then he wrestles also with himself the biggest enemy you have is not the devil the biggest enemy you have is your flesh I can resist the devil and he can flee but somehow this 210 pounds of me it always wants to follow me around 250 maybe 260 Somebody left me a watermelon and honey on my front porch yesterday. I was trying to go on a low-carb diet. i tell you what, I'm about to wait till tomorrow. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Are you listening? Because when you have to wrestle with this flesh, it lives with me, it walks with me, it gets mad with me, it fights with me, it tells me, go run that. Oh, preacher, if you just get closer to God, Paul said, the things I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the very things I despise, I find myself doing, oh, wretched man that I am. Don't give me that nonsense. You're so holy that you can't fall. If that's the truth, God would have never wrote Galatians 6 and 1. Ye that are spiritual, restore them that have fallen. Why? Considering your own selves. Mm -hmm. Real holy people know if it had not been for the grace of God on my side, I wouldn't have made it. Religious people will show you their badges and show you their garments and tell you that they never drank, smoked, or dated women who did. They'll tell you about all their holiness. But I'm telling you, what we don't know or what we do know and they don't know that we know is that they put their shoes on just like we put our shoes on. And they may have never gambled, cussed, lied, cheated, or stolen, but that nasty, arrogant, religious attitude that they have stinks about as worse as much as the marbles in somebody else's pocket. Oh, I just said that. My goodness. Oh, preacher, you'll make some religious people mad. No, we just might get them saved. He says, real quickly, he says he wrestled and then he said, let me go. Because when we have a God encounter and we don't like it, the first thing we do, God, let me go. Just let me go. I can't take this anymore, God. God, this is too real. Somebody's gonna say that. Oh, I like that church, but it's just too in your face. I just can't tell you that. What, what, you, you, want me, you want me to dial it down? You want me to placate with you? You tell me about how much of a man you are. You kill 10 point deer and you kill them with a knife and you skin them, but yet this word challenges you and you can't take it, big boy? I know, ma'am, you're a single woman and you provide, you make $105,000 a year and you sell unique and up unique and out unique and all that kind of stuff. And I know you got it all together. But when I preach, I just don't lie. He's too emotional. Yet you will cry at a birthday party when a dog has a birthday, but you can't take the word of God. Come on, somebody. Let's just have church this morning. Let's do this thing. Amen. Because some of these people won't come back. I want to see your life change. I'm not your coach. I'm not your buddy. I'm not somebody sitting here to hold your hand. I've been called to preach this word. And when it's preached with truth and power and it's prayed over with the anointing, it will change life still today in this house. Stay with me. 
When he says, let me go, it means just the final round. He was saying, I can't take you anymore. He says, I can't take you anymore. Desperation is crying out. If you don't want to be changed, I can't change you. If you're not desperate for change, you go, listen to me real quickly. You're going to get what you want. So whenever you get there, don't blame me. Don't blame the church. Don't blame your mama. If I leave this place and I get drunk and they arrest me, I can't blame the preacher for the DUI. Understand what I'm saying? You're going to get what you want. So wherever you're going, I, I know you want to push my words away, but when you get there, at least be big enough to own what you got. I'm telling you, if you get desperate though, and you get to your place where you say, God, I can't take it no more, I give up. I give up, God. Will you let me go? Will you bless me? And the Bible said that he touches his socket. He touches his socket. Can I use you? Come here, come here, come here. Yeah, that's a good wrestling match. I picked the wrong person. Amen, hallelujah. And the Bible says, as they wrestled, don't hurt me. As they wrestled, he takes his fist and he touches the hip. And when he does that, it breaks him. You will never be used by God until you first you become broken by God. God only uses broken people. Haughty, arrogant people. God cannot use. The Bible said he will utter, utterly otherwise cast down. He doesn't destroy them. They always destroy themselves because pride comes before a fall. When he touches his hip and he breaks it, it was signifying that the desperation was not only heard and felt, stay there, but when he breaks his hip, it was the moment in time that God was saying to him, Jacob, you will never, ever be the same. God's not here to touch you just to make you shout. Oh, I love to shout. I'll shout with you. I'm more of a crier, but I will shout with you. But if you shout and you leave with the same junk, what you shout about? If you come in and you hit your wife last night and you shout all over the sanctuary and you go back home and you strike your wife again, what you shout about? Come on, now let's just talk. What you shout about? But if God touches you, you will never, ever be the same. This place of crossing over was trying to get Jacob out of Jacob and let Israel flow out of Jacob. He says to him, I'm going to do two marks on you. First of all, what's your name? Israel. Oh, son, you preach it with me. Come on. Your name shall no longer be called trickster, but your name is Israel. Not only will they know that your name has changed, they're also going to see you different because you're going to walk different. Your limp will not always be pleasant, but it will always be powerful. My. It may not always be pleasant, but it will always be powerful. Because when they see you now, they're going to know there's something different about him. Because he didn't try to steal my money, Laban. He didn't try to steal my goats and cows, Laban. He didn't try to deceive his own brother again. So when you do have that encounter with Esau, you don't have to fear death. Because Esau's going to know that there's something different about his life. Quit telling people you're different. And let God show them that you're different. You don't have to listen to me as I, you said. Thank you. Is that close? Some of you are so much worried about your reputation that you didn't even want to come to church this morning. 
Don't worry about your reputation. Quit worrying about what people think about you. Who cares? If you'll let God touch you, if you'll let God break you, God will change you. And within three weeks, people will start saying this. There's something different about Danny. Y'all notice a change in him? I don't know why, but there's just something different. He comes home, and he cussed me out last night. There's good men in this house. There's good husbands in this house. You just don't know yet because you don't have a God encounter yet. You provide for your family. You're good men. You don't realize what God wants to do in your life. And I'm telling you, God wants to have a God encounter with you. There's some young men in this house. You've been told that the worth of your appreciation is based on the woman that you have on your hand. And I'm trying to tell you right now, God is saying, you come along with me just for a moment. Can you go two weeks without having a girlfriend? Can you go one month without kissing somebody and just come along with me so I can tell you who you really are and show you what you really need? You listening? I feel the Holy Spirit in this house. This is not a cute pastoral sermon. This is a God encounter. Would you stand with me please all over the house? David Wilkerson says, the crossing of the Red Sea was a new start. He says that the crossing of the Jordan speaks of commitment and baptism. He said, but the crossing of Jabbok is symbolic for the people of God because it speaks of total surrender. When he changes his name, it speaks and it signifies of identity and dominion. You speak it and you come clean. The name changed from Jacob to Israel. From Jacob to Israel speaks of identity and dominion. Identity because he not, he's not who he was once. And dominion because where God's taken him, he will have power and authority. But Jacob cannot handle power and authority, but Israel can. Some of you cannot handle your calling yet. That's why you keep running out away from church. Every time you get close to walking in your anointing, your immaturity will shine through. Every time you get close to walking in your calling, you'll get mad with me or the church or somebody. They won't sing your song or do your dance, and you'll leave. You want to know why? Because you're still walking in spiritual immaturity, and you're letting temporary circumstance. You're letting a name on a door. You're letting a color of the carpet or somebody singing, or because you didn't get the promotional job, you're letting that hinder you from walking in your anointing. If you ever really walk in your calling, that junk won't matter anyway. Anointed people do not argue over foolish things. Anointed people do not spend time worrying about is the tithe envelope white or the tithe envelope blue? Do we put the old school Church of God logo with a shield or do we do the new flame? People that are anointed don't have time for trivial games because they want to take people to Jabbok. I'm here as your pastor this morning to take you to Jabbok. You want to be different? You want to change? He's here. He's here. There's some young men in this house that God's calling you like Issachar to understand the signs of the times. It's now or never for some of you. So why not seize the moment and see your life change? Father, I have preached your word and I know that somebody's gonna leave saying that was bold of him, so be it. I have no apologies. I feel the Holy Ghost saying I've gotta wrestle. 
I've got to grab a hold of them. Daddy and mama can't do it anymore. Preacher can't do it. I've got to grab a hold of them. I want to change them. On the count of three, I want you to come. Young man, me, you, and God. Me, you, and God, young man. But here's what's going to happen. As you come, I'm going to fade, and it's going to be you and God. One, don't worry about what people think. You and God, J-Bot moment. You and God, life changing. Two, it's got to happen. God's got to get some things out of you, some things that you inherited, some things that were by your environment, some things that you saw growing up, some things that have shaped your view on men, women, church, religion, God. God's saying, I've got to move. Are you ready? Are you ready to be changed? Three, would you come? Would you come out of the house? Come quickly. Come, come now. Come now. Come, come. I need people praying. This is a moment. I, I don't need somebody to come for my ego. I know that I know that God wants to change somebody's life. Would you come out of the house? Every head bow, every eye closed. I need godly people praying. That's all right. Some come. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Every head bow, every eye closed, please. Would you fight with me, spiritual people? Would you fight with me, spiritual people, right now? Would you pray with me right now? Just pray. Just pray. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? There's others. There's two young men in this house that should have been already here. God's fixing to change your life. You just don't know it. There's two young men in this house. You should have been already at this altar. This is your divine moment. This is your moment with destiny. This is your divine moment. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't be so cool for school that you miss your moment. Would you come? Would you come? I have two young men at this altar. I need some people to come help me. Come help me. Come help me quickly. Move, saints. Help me, please. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? All right, this is what I want to do. Before you start singing, I want every young person up under the age of 25 that would come and you say, Pastor, I don't want to come. If you love me, I'm going to use the love card that I've never used here. If you're up under the age of 25 and in two years I have earned the right just to lay my hand on you, if you would give me that, I, I know I'm pressing maybe more than I should. But if you're up under the age of 25, you say, Pastor, I don't mind you praying with me. Would you step out right now? Come quickly. I want to make it easy for people. Would you come up on age 25? Come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. All over the house. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, there's people down here, so everybody can come now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at this crowd coming. My, what an army, saints. Come on. Let's give God praise. Wow. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, thank you for another chance. Come on, saints, let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. As they begin to sing, please do not leave till I touch you. Just, just hang with me just for a moment. Men, stay right there. Let's begin to worship and sing. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, stay with me. Victoria, I want you to help me pray. Pray. Nobody leave till I